with these moustaches and a flip-flop tied to him. Did they understand, do you think? Um, no. <laughs> I, I was getting some absolutely bizarre looks. Okay. Um, yeah, it was... It, on the whole, it was it was okay um, in terms of like the, there wasn't anyone gonna like come and look at me. But I have to say, I was kind of on edge the whole time because I'm in this like new city that I've never been to. I'm on my own and I'm walking around with two giant cardboard mustaches attached to me, pulling a flip flop around, doing bizarre <laughs> challenges. So no, I don't think a single person understood what I was doing. Um, but yeah, I managed to to get through all right. And then you got home, that was sort of like rounded up November, amazing amount of money raised. And then the next challenge has been this most recent one, yes. which you basically say, oh, if I raise a hundred pounds, I'll run a marathon. If I raise 200, I'll run two all the way up to five. Yes. Okay. And so what's the event? What, what was the culmination of that? Um, so as soon as sort of lockdown started, I wanted to do something, uh, and yeah, in the end, it, it kind of just took on a life of its own. Um, I managed somehow to, to get through and drag myself around the all five marathons. Um, and in the end, the, the sort of the, the fundraising total is, is 10,900. Yeah, I just it checked is. it yesterday. It's nearly 11,000. <laughs> which is when you're, when you're setting out as an initial target to raise a hundred pounds, coming in two weeks time later, you're on 10,900 like that. I don't think it's properly sunk in and I don't think that will sink in for a bit of time actually. Um, because I genuinely, genuinely, I walked downstairs on, on the Sunday night. I said this on one of my, uh, one of my posts thanking people. And I said, uh, hi, mum, like classic mothers here. So I, hi, mum, I'm going to run a marathon uh, in a couple of days. And if I raise 100 quid, you know, I'll try again the next day. Uh, and her response to it was 100 pounds. Like, Joey, are you sure? Like, that's a lot of money. That I'm, Reach for the I'm stars, sure hun. Yeah. I'm going to get behind this. You know, I was like, 100 pounds, you might not raise that. Like, are you sure you want to go that high? And I was like, oh, Maybe I have got a little bit too high here. I was like, surely enough, like close family and friends can save me the embarrassment. <laughs> group together. <laughs> yeah, group together. I might have to donate 50 quid myself so I could try and not embarrass myself. But. That's a really unique position to be like, I need people to force me to run a marathon. Whereas normally it's like, I'm doing the marathon, yeah. <laughs> please donate what you can. It's like, I'm in a position now where I haven't trained for one, but I kind of really want to run one tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a very strange scenario. I mean, whilst I was sort of I get kind of my most creative, I'm sure there are so many people who are listening to this thinking exactly the same. When they have other stuff to be doing, they can get beyond like the most creative, wacky ideas ever. So I had about a, a week or so before I had the most coursework I've ever had in. It was, I was gonna ask. Hard. For context, so you're in your final year, you haven't actually finished your degree yet, right? And you're sacrificing no, a whole week in exam yeah. period. So what stage are you at academically on this Sunday before you're off? So on the Sunday, I had finished, I had three, I had about 9,000 words due on one day. Um, and I, I tend to leave things quite late. 
So I ended up doing sort of three all-nighters. I had three different assignments in, um, and I just ploughed through in sort of three days, not much sleep sort of thing, just get it out of the way. Um, and then I've got a bit of a break, and then I had an exam. I think it was on around the 23rd. Um, but I sort of, like, I was like, I've got a bit of a break. I, I mean, Nothing if I leave to it do. to the last minute, I'm going to leave it to the last minute. So I may as well try and, you know, I've got a, a slot here that could work. Um, you know what? It's um, it's interesting. So I, I did London 2019, so a year ago, and I am a list A type human being who wrote my schedule, my training plan on Excel. I did my carb um, loading the night before my long runs every fortnight for six months. Sleeping, I was very strict in bed at certain times. And you took the whole like rest, recovery, refuel, and just pissed all over that and decided <laughs> I've had no sleep. I'm not really fit. And also I can only go outside once a day. So might as well make that once a day, eight to 10 hours. Um, <laughs> so you did, so you, you completed it, which is like genuinely incredible. You're now in this elite club with like Eddie Redmayne, Greg James, <laughs> what was it? Pedal to the Peaks, just all of these amazing people. And you're so firmly in that club, which is just phenomenal and so massively well done. And your stories, even though I could tell you were struggling at times, they kept us going. We were running around being like, have you seen what Joey's, like where he's yeah. at? Has he finished? Um, and we just loved it. Honestly, it was the most, it was such a good dose of happiness. So. What did your mum, I mean, I presume you were living at home when you were doing these runs. What on earth were your family thinking? Um, I mean, my parents sensibly tried to persuade me not to do it. I mean, they sort of saw, yeah, I mean, you spoke slightly upon like your preparation there and you're a far better person than I am. Uh, I, my mentality was, was kind of, I mean, I didn't have time to train for a marathon let alone have time to train for five. I mean, you can't, I mean, someone, my mate texted me saying, people train all year to do one, one marathon. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to be able to complete this. Um, and it was a completely like fair comment. If I knew what I know now, uh, I would most certainly think twice about sort of just, yeah, like, yeah five. Um, but they tried to persuade me out of it. But I think they were kind of seeing my, as you say, my preparation. I mean, three days before the marathon, I was up at 8 a.m. handing in a piece of coursework. Uh, you know, the next day it was, I'd end up waking up so late because my sleeping pattern was on another planet. Uh, you know, I'd wake up at sort of 12, get out of bed at two. I'd ha have three hours sort of chilling around and then oh, I might have a beer or something. So <laughs> it wasn't even like the, the, the training or the prep was completely gone. Um, so yeah, my, my parents were, they know me well, but even they were going like, this is just stupid. Um, and it would so be fair. fair to say you're not one of those runners. You're not someone who regularly runs like 10 miles, 10K, 15 miles. No, no. I mean, I've, I, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I'd quite enjoy running, uh, but the furthest I'd ran in sort of the, I ran a half marathon just uh, two years ago. Um, the furthest I'd ran since then was a 15k I did about two weeks before this and my I had blisters from that and like 
my legs were absolutely shot for like two days. So I really don't know what I was thinking. Um, but no, like, I enjoy running, but I'm, I'm not huge into it. I mean, in the first day, my captain uh, of my hockey team said, fellas, Joey's running uh, his first marathon today. Just to put that in perspective, he's going to spend more time running today than he did playing hockey for the entire season. So <laughs> Good stat. Like, Lovely uh, stuff. Yeah, it was an interesting, interesting thought process for me. God, so you, so you had no time to think about it, which was probably in hindsight quite a good thing. Yeah, most and certainly. You hadn't trained for it, so there has to be quite a big motivation behind all of this crazy activity. So, obviously, you were raising money for Mind um, with the running, and you were raising for the Movember cause. Um, in November so obviously massively focused and centered in mental health and I'm incredibly passionate about that too and I know you are so what was the sort of motivation and share as much or as little as you like about why you felt so compelled to put yourself through hell twice? I think uh, a, a big thing of kind of how I like to do things is very much if you're going to do something then let's do it like let's go for it um and sort of a, a second sort of idea off that is if you're in a position to be able to do something then i think it's really good and it's actually right that you do do something however little or big it may be um but on both occasions i felt that i was able to try and do something a little bit wacky um and i wanted to try and do something i mean the, the november and the, the first idea of going to poland took on so many different people's uh, ideas and just a snippet of what they thought and a snippet of them and it all came together for this sort of quite extravagant idea that probably only a uni student would ever think of and then actually pull through with um, and then for sort of the uh, the, the marathons one I, I I feel passionately with this because so many people are doing so many fantastic things especially at the moment uh, you know you've seen all the brilliant work for the NHS charities which is absolutely incredible um, but I hadn't seen anything that had been done for um, mental health charity. Um, and it, I, I felt that it was kind of just being pushed to one side slightly, understandably, but never correctly in, in, in my view. Um, and I just wanted to, to try and hopefully, as a first and foremost, everyone is going through something that's pretty tough and they've never been through before. Um, so if I could, give some something that people would just make them smile or someone even texted me afterwards and said it just allowed me to tell the, tell the days apart again something like that is that was sort of reward enough and I was hoping that people might just enjoy it and have a little chuckle um hopefully not think who's this idiot on my Instagram feed again for the fifth day in a row clogging it up but um yeah I was hoping if I can make people smile and then hopefully raise some awareness just get it back on people's minds and talking about it uh, and then if we can raise a bit of money along the way that's that's an added bonus um so yeah i just felt like it was the right thing to try and do um i mean for me personally my sort of relationship with with mental health um as so many people um it, it has affected it affected me massively i've had um family members who who've had mental health issues um, I've had family members who, who sort of dis, I'd be unfair to say that they're a close family, um, but I've had a family member who's committed suicide. Uh, my dad's friend and colleague this year committed suicide. 
um, a gentleman, a friend in the year below uh, at school committed suicide. Um, and it's something that it really sort of affects me. A, a, a friend of mine who I sort of looked up to when I was younger, um, he's an absolute hero. Um, he unfortunately lost his mum to motor neuron disease. And I thought the way in which he was, he was dealing with it was amazing. I must have been, I don't know, I must have been about 14 perhaps. Um, and uh, it's sort of a few years later, we were in the pub together um, and he completely opened up and he spoke about how he tried to commit suicide himself. Wow. And I was thinking, I mean, how, how does this sort of, this guy was a, I, someone who I looked up to. Um, and it was very much an eye-opener that, you know, this can affect absolutely everyone. And I'm sure, Pip, you and I are the same. There's always times where you look at it and you're having a bad day and uh, you, you're struggling yourself with your, your own mental health and your own sort of mental well-being. And I, I think that can happen at any point. Um, so now I've sort of made a bit of a, a plea to myself um, with, with this and said that I'm going to do whatever I can to try and get rid of the stigma that's associated with it. Um, and I think that's the real big thing for me now. That's sort of the, the driving passion is that Amazing. whilst that stigma is still there, I will try and do, I'll do whatever the, the wacky challenge is. Um, the five marathons thing was, was probably pushing my, my body a little bit further than it, it should have gone um, or even knew it could go. Um, and there were, there were times at that, throughout that I was there and it was it almost became um almost like a mini metaphor for for everything because the the mental battle of that was the hardest thing I've ever had to to go through um and it was so so strange because I've never once felt more supported or encouraged or loved um or appreciated if you like by uh, such a wide variety of people and all I was doing was dragging myself around the field and I was completely on my own. Um, you know, sort of no one physically there, but actually the, the way in which people gathered around and is very much like that in, in mental health. There, there has been times where it is, you know, you're, you're there and you feel like you are completely alone. There's no one who you can turn to. No one wants to talk to you. Um, where, whereas actually the, the whole point of it is like you are never alone and there is always someone who, who you can talk to. So I think if people could take away one thing from, from that, um, then I think that that's sort of a great success. If one person could come away from it and go, you know, you've, you've made me feel better or I was feeling a bit rubbish and I feel a bit better now. And they can go forward with sort of knowing that it's all right to feel bad and it's okay not to be okay, but actually that you are never alone in whatever you're going through. Um, and it's, it's completely normal and fine. And I, and I hope that, you know, if people can take that on board and perhaps when they go on to, you know, their subgroups, their friends, and they can take that sort of ideology forward and hopefully it will, it will help get rid of the, the stigma that's associated with mental health. Um, For sure. I'm just amazed and so on your wavelength. I mean, breaking down stigma and just normalizing conversations about all of this thing like the whole concept of mental health was just a huge driver for this just let's just talk about it and if i i say we the podcast is just me if this can help you on your mission to just have one more person think you know what it's so fine instead of just replying saying 
yeah, I'm fine, saying, I don't know, how are you? I just don't know. And I feel like that takes so much courage sometimes for certain people, whether it's because they think, like you're saying, this amazing person you looked up to, oh, everyone thinks of me as so strong and I can't say that I'm not all right. I don't even know if I am. You know, it's almost easier if someone's been diagnosed, I guess, because they think it explains a lot. But actually, probably a figure double, triple that are suffering with no answers, no medical diagnosis. But it's fine. It's not as if you're broken. And I, I have a real automatic admiration for anyone who just enjoys speaking openly or doesn't enjoy it but pushes them to do it and I wrote in my notes for you how I wonder if you agree but for me I'm a big believer in the harder something is to talk about the more good that is to be gained from talking about it because that tiny bit of sort of pushing yourself an extra inch in conversation and saying yeah I have some really dark days and I will be fine to tell my friends that actually you know, it's a bit cloudy in my head today and whatever. And I feel like the ratio of opening up to positivity gain for so many people, not just that person is vast. And I so wish everyone knew that. So even if there's, you know, five people who listen to this podcast, which there won't be because you're a popular guy. Um, I'm just using you. Um, <laughs> that feeling of, God, it is actually so normal. and so fine. And if I'm suffering, everyone else around me too might be. And I'm in the same situation. I've had a hugely long, irritating battle with my head. I, I like to just think of it as like almost another person. I live with people who suffer too. I, my best friend in the whole world, she lost her brother in incredibly tragic circumstances and her dad in 18 months. And she is a ray of sunshine. And I just... I think, God, I just want to wrap up all of those people and just squeeze them and tell them, you know, you can genuinely talk to me whenever you want, because if there's one thing that helps, and it doesn't cost money, it doesn't, doesn't cost anything resource wise, it's just a conversation. And I'd like to like, ask you, apart from obviously donating to these incredible charities, and I'll definitely put up all the links to your charity stuff you've done, what do you think is something people can do, everyone can do, whether they suffer or have people around them who might? What is something they can do that does not involve money or knowing anything in particular, but something they can do to make themselves known as like a, I'm here? I think it is sort of, as, as we've mentioned, conversation and talking to people um, is, is absolutely crucial i mean it's the best medicine for for a lot of of helping with with people's problems and the more approachable that you can be the better um and and i think you can look at it from uh, quite a close point of view and you know if your friend's gone quiet for three days or two days just drop them a text or give them a call and, and ask them how they're doing um if it's from a business point of view perhaps just make sure that you're you, you're as open as you can be, and that you're engaging with with that you know with with whoever it might be as regularly as possible. Um, and if there is ever a case where you can show your support for 
uh, for mental health and show your openness and your willingness in whatever way that might be. It might be um, just sharing your thing on your social media account or, you know, doing something in a business meeting or at a sports club, then, then do that because it's all going to, to, that helps tackle the stigma and that helps take, take away this big taboo that I can't talk about how I feel or that no one sort of wants to listen to me or it, it's, it's not sort of right to speak to you. The more we can take away that stigma from the very offset, the more approachable people will be within themselves about talking about it because it's not an issue anymore. It's normal. Yeah. And that's absolutely fine. Um, so again, it's just if you can try and tackle the stigma um, and if you can just make yourself as sort of open as possible, um, I think they're the best, best two ways. Amazing. I so agree. And I also think this whole stigma with mental health, if that comes first, the knock-on effects are vast. So people say living with a disability, um, say they have had some, you know, life-changing injury, but they're too scared to, you know, tell people that they had to adapt the way they live or other things which are health-related but are not necessarily mental health-related. If there was less of a stigma about mental health, there'd be less of a stigma about all of those things as well. And people wouldn't feel like they had to really go out their way to make it known that it's normal what they're going through. And, you know, mental health, sure, for sure, in the last however many years, rise of social media, it's all not helped. It's contributed to a huge peak in that. But it's been around forever. I mean, it goes back generations, generations and generations. It's always been there. And it's only now that people are starting to talk about it. And I don't know about you, but if anyone wants any, like, amazing sort of, resources and not necessarily charity based but just comforting words Bryony gordon podcast mad world i don't know if you've uh, listened joey but it's amazing she has episodes with prince harry and stephen fry and mel c and they just talk and they sit down and they talk about their journey with mental health as if they have spoken about their first child buying a home how their knee is dodgy shoulder and it's that's what i want for my for the people I know and love and for everyone, I want them to feel like they can give an update on their headspace, just how they can give an update on their whatever ligament they've torn in their ankle. <laughs> um, and that's the dream for me. And especially, I feel, I mean, I think our generation have gone leaps and bounds in, in getting that conversation to a place where it's much more comfortable but I feel like our parents' generation don't necessarily suffer any less, but have a lot more in the way, in the way of speaking about it and kind of feeling the same level of, okay, no, it's fine. Of course I can talk about it. And there are the resources there. Um, but from your point of view, as a man, um, why do you think that it is, I mean, you mentioned just a few awfully tragic deaths that you've had close to you um why do you think men struggle more to talk than women because it's very easy for me to guess and say oh toxic masculinity they have to be strong but I have no idea I'm not a man and it would be really interesting to hear from you and your friends and what what it is that you think makes it much harder for men to have the conversation yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting, um, and I think 
it, it's important to note that each person is different. So each person, each individual will, will have different reasons. Um, I do think it does come down to uh, a lot of a lot of time the age old sort of feeling of I think there's this this imagery that you do have to be strong and it, it's that air of vulnerability that you're putting yourself out there and when you show vulnerability uh, as a boy uh, more often than not you that often in sort of your your, your instincts opens you up to more vulnerability and perhaps more abuse. And that's the last thing that you want if you're feeling, um, if you're feeling sort of like you're struggling with, with something. Um, so I, I think it is showing vulnerability as a, as a full stop in general for, for men um, is quite tricky because it goes against sort of the, the nature of how they live their, their lives on the whole. Um, I think it's, it's completely wrong because uh, I think if you show vulnerability, um, it's actually one of the strongest traits you can have. Couldn't agree um, more. Couldn't agree more. So I, I think it is that, but it is. It doesn't feel natural, and until you've done it, you you sort of you bear that sort of load on your back, and you're carrying it with you, and that's only getting heavier. Um, but in opening up and just sort of passing on and help sort of having that again is you are having that vulnerability there but you just you share it the the problem is is completely shared um and that weight isn't just carried by by you now it's sort of made a lot easier because you're you're doing it with other people but i think it does come down to to that for men um with with sort of that vulnerability but do you think that sharing and opening up, even if it's a tiny bit, the first time is the hardest. And then once you've done that, it gets easier. My word, yeah. I mean, I can, I think it is, yeah, the absolute hardest thing. I think it's petrifying. I mean, I'm sat here in a gray t-shirt now and I would be sweating, sweating through it all the way if I was, if I were to do it again. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the instance where sort of the first time where I can completely opened up and it it is absolutely it is completely petrifying because you do feel like although you're you're not giving your your entire the key to your body away and the key to your life and everything about you you are giving a little bit of you um you're opening up completely and and that is that's scary no matter who you are um and yeah i think that the the first time is is by far the hardest by far it's petrifying but the the all you get from that is like a, a feeling of liberation almost you're completely free from what you've been carrying and then from then on opening up a little bit more the next time will become that bit easier and that bit easier until it becomes natural amazing I so agree and do you know what I don't know about you and some people have relationships with their families where they feel like they can say anything and everything but for me, the biggest fear was in telling people close to me. And initially I found it a lot easier to tell someone with a little extra distance. And so my best friend's mom became someone I spoke to. And I think that caused huge hurt to my own mom who thought, oh my God, my daughter can't talk to me. But it's that feeling of, but you've done everything you can to protect me and to make sure I don't feel like this about myself or about life or about others. And I've almost failed in and you just feel like you can't you can't hurt the people closest to you and it's so much easier to go round about a tiny bit and it's something I'm improving and feeling a bit more relaxed with but 
I would say to anyone who thinks, oh, I just couldn't, I couldn't do that to my mum, I couldn't do that to my dad or my sibling, just start a bit further afield, start with a friend. And they might say, oh, I had the same thing and my mum was just confused. She didn't understand or, you know, and it's, I mean, there was a really just awful, when I was in year nine, um, a girl my age, she took her own life. Both of her parents were doctors and they probably thought, fuck, what did I do wrong? But it's not that. It's that feeling of, I can't, I can't let the people who've tried so hard to make sure my life's great. I can't let them down like that. But what I would say to anyone is just, you haven't, you absolutely have not. But if you don't feel comfortable going straight to the, the woman that bought, born you, um, try a bit further afield first. It's so much easier with a little extra distance, but it can be just as cathartic. And if you're speaking to anyone, that is so much better than talking to no one. Um, even if someone I didn't really know reached out to me, I think, God, they must really want to talk. And so that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely great. And I encourage it massively. And I've so much more admiration for someone that bravely talks about, even gives a hint about what they're going through. I mean, I'm equally proud of my friends who land amazing jobs and do amazing <laughs> things, but it's that you have so much more to lose in your opinion, you know, and I just respect and admire those people so much more. And if they can do that with their own brain, I feel like their life just opens up to so much more and starts a new conversation somewhere else and has this, I mean, in the time of coronavirus, this R value, which is just like, if that one person talks to one more person, we're all good. Like, it's great. Right. There's nothing to be lost, in my opinion. There's absolutely nothing to be lost from a conversation. I really hope people share that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, the, the point you make there is super important. And it does not matter who you talk to. It could be uh, someone who... It could be a helpline, it could be, uh, you know, the work that say the Samaritans or the Mind um, helpline, or it could be um, a GP, or it could be, a, as you said, a, a distant family member. A distant Someone really family. independent. Exactly. It could be, it could be anyone. And I think it's, so long as you're talking, then you will get better. I firmly, firmly believe that. Um, and in, in time, you'll, you'll be able to talk about more and you might be able to talk about it with uh, your friends next and then your family or whatever but you will get better so long as you're talking um, I so agree I feel like you sleep better instantly because you your brain is whirring it's still whirring but it's whirring a tiny bit less and you feel like it's just one less thing to carry around on your shoulders and don't get me wrong it might not be instant and I cannot speak for anyone who's been through anything apart from my own experiences of it and um there are people out there who suffer a lot more, a lot less, similar levels. But I think every single one would agree that talking is the only form of therapy which helps. And it's completely free. And it's just there. And I think even just putting out this podcast, I've been amazed on how many people are so kind. When it comes human to human, they are so kind. I'm sure, there are lots of trolls out there too. Can't wait for the haters <laughs> to get involved. But on the whole, like, it's amazing how kind people are. Even lecturers, I had a lecturer find me crying in a classroom once. I went for coffee with her for the next two years. <laughs> people are so kind, it's so lovely. Yeah. I think they, in, they instantly respect you. If you're sad and you're vulnerable, they respect you. And that leads me on to something I 
a little bit of insight I got last week. My lovely friend Maya recommended I watch this Brene Brown. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's American. She talks about vulnerability and shame. And I thought, not really my thing. Not really my thing, but I'll, I'll give it a go. And I watched. And she was, firstly, she was hilarious. Love that. Her delivery was just bang on. And she basically talks about how vulnerability is strength. You can't have one without the other. And um, then she talks about like this concept of being in the ring. And if you're not in the ring, you can't pass judgment on people who are in the ring. So if you're brave enough to put yourself out there, you should not be paying attention to anyone from outside of the ring. And you'll more often than not find that words from people inside the ring are only encouraging because they know exactly what you're going through and exactly what you're dealing with and how much strength it's taken to get there. So for anyone that thinks, oh, I can't, I can't do that because, you know, people don't expect it from me or they'll judge me. Well, if they're not in the ring, they, their opinion doesn't count. <laughs> I think it's so good. Um, should we do some questions? Because lots of people wanted, uh, wanted to hear all the good juice from you. I, mean, I can't believe that people have actually, people actually come in, ask questions. Yeah. Oh my God, I've got like 12. I'm just going to pick a few. My word. Uh, Okay. Um, how much did you want to quit? How much did I want to quit? Uh, I would was, say when was the worst bit? Um, oh, there was a point on every single day where I didn't think that I could finish that day, let alone do the whole thing. Um, from about mile seven on the first day, that was when my body started to hurt. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to quit. I said. My body wanted me to quit, but there was a point on day two uh, where I got a donation come through, uh, an anonymous donation. Um, Tuesday morning, I felt absolutely horrendous. Um, was My body was all over the place. My mind was sort of wandering on to like, how am I even gonna get through today, let alone the next days. Um, and the donation simply read, thank you, from a mother who lost her son, whose struggle was too much. Um, and I think from that moment on, I kind of accepted that what I was doing was actually had some importance to it and was potentially going to, to be able to actually help people uh, in a very small sense. It might have been one person, two people, but I knew that from that moment on, that there were people who I had never met before in my life who were watching this and taking comfort from it. Wow. Um, so I kind of took quite a bit of strength from that and was like, I will finish this if I have to crawl with no legs. Oh, I've got goosebumps. That's incredible. I hope you'll send this to whoever he or she might be, but it's, that's a prime example of this sort of knock on effect of one person takes their own life because of their own mental health and they leave behind people who will struggle with their mental health for the rest of their life because of that. There is no conversation which can't help because it's just, it's everyone. It's so affected. And my amazing, amazing best friend, Molly, right now, her and nine of her beautiful friends from Edinburgh are hopping, skipping, cycling, paddleboarding, running, walking a thousand kilometers between them this week for the Encephalitis Society who do amazing work with brain and how she lost her brother. And they're all doing that for 
anyone else and so full of love and admiration it really my heart is like fully bursting and it was the same with you I just thought bloody hell right let's go to the next question this is an interesting one okay question has it improved your mental resilience or perspective for challenges that life brings in general yeah absolutely um I think on the whole I think when you put yourself out of your comfort zone completely you find new strength that perhaps you didn't know that you had um, before. I would have liked to have thought before this challenge that I was relatively mentally strong. Um, and from a physical point of view, I've always been willing to kind of like push myself quite far. I mean, when I was younger, I was a bit of a weirdo and used to do like cross country and stuff. And I'd get to the point where I was basically like throwing up as I was running. But I was like, no, I've got to finish. Um, so I always thought I was like relatively quite strong in that sense, but the sort of from the first element of the the mental strength and the resilience, absolutely. Um, I think on the whole now, the most important thing that I would actually take away from this, I would have thought it would have been that I can complete any, any challenge that I'd put my mind to, um, which not that's irrelevant for me. The mental resilience I've got from it is that actually you, you can't underestimate the power of sort of how much people can help and Maybe. so no matter what i'm doing if there's people there and there will always be people there then actually do you know what yeah i can try and do it um what was the second part to that mental resilience it and was. has it improved your resilience and perspective for like life's challenges in general there's this a couple of others on a very very similar theme there's a couple of others that say what was your fitness to mentality ratio for success <laughs> and also how do you get to the stage where you actually believe you're capable to run a marathon when it's impossible to think of running 5k? So if you want to just expand on the whole mind over matter, mindset over fitness, which we know was a tiny bit of a thing here. Um, I think for, for me, um, the, the main thing that helped was there are a few like little tips and tricks that, that I used, but um, I used to, I broke it down into sort of short term targets. So even on the day, my goal was I would never allow myself to think of tomorrow or the next day or beyond that. I wouldn't think of that. Um, I would just focus on trying to finish today and finishing today was almost like the long-term target. And within that short term, it was right, get through to the next sort of checkpoint, if you like. Um, and I would focus on just, on just doing that. Um, and well, sort of the core of that came down to just putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And I knew that whilst I was putting one foot in front of the other, I was getting closer to finishing. So, so long as I kept moving, I was going to finish. The that would stop would, was, you know, if I were to, to grab a drink or whatever, um, which is obviously super important as well. Yeah. Um, but there are other little bits where at times you just needed to take your mind off of things um so i actually listened to uh the bbc desert island discs podcast. Love that. get get a few emotional ones up and if you can get emotional podcasts up they kind of had like a double effect um so there was a surgeon i can't remember his name now but he's an absolutely amazing bloke who volunteered in syria and you're like you're there and that you're sort of hearing this perspective it's like come on joe you're only walking around a field this bloke's getting blown up risking his life to save strangers um and doing it with a smile, you know, you can get through this. And whilst you're, you're doing that and perhaps getting quite emotional with it, um, 
your body then you don't focus on the pain in your body for yeah even 10 minutes so little things like that are, are helpful because you had quite sore nipples didn't you oh my nipples have been and feet through the wars um yeah everything sort of day two my legs i couldn't really use my legs to walk it sounds quite strange i sort of had to walk sort of walk and run from my core because my sort of by the end of day two i didn't there was a video clip um i shared of me setting out to do the final four miles and it was the slowest most excruciating thing and it's because my legs just had completely become redundant um and then yeah day three my feet were just all over the place i had blisters on top of blisters but i couldn't feel the blisters because my entire body was in so much pain so um yeah it was it was interesting i've actually got a tip for blisters and my friend annie's mum actually told me this because i i don't know how but my heels almost eat my trainers and i always get really really bad blisters and she said oh put some hair serum on your feet and i was thinking i don't have any hair serum what is that and it's basically something of like a gelatinous texture so like vaseline or like any kind of gel so I would put this gel, I would effectively lube up my feet before I went <laughs> for a run and then put my sock on and I didn't get a single blister running the actual marathon. My word. Like, what a life hack. So anyone else struggling with blisters, you've got to lube up your feet before you leave the house and at first it feels like slimy and gross, yeah. but it actually worked so well. And also another question said, what went first? Like, which body part? <laughs> What went first? My legs. My legs went first. So it's quite weird. Day, I sort of called day one was like the wake up call. I was like, shit, I'm in trouble here. This is going to be stupidly tough. Uh, day two was legs were just completely shot. Never in my life have I experienced them being so just completely gone. Uh, day three was feet. Feet were in the most pain. Oh, it was just horrible. And day four was actually mentally probably the toughest um there was a point at day four where i was about mile 12 and my body kind of just collapsed but i don't think it was the worst my body has felt um but my head it was kind of got to the point where it's like i haven't embarrassed myself anymore i've done three and a half marathons which is still like quite a good shift um quite and yeah. I seriously <laughs> yeah i seriously struggled then that was that was the only time i've like collapsed sort of out on route um on the field so yeah, that was that was tough. There was different. There was a different challenge each day. Um, set for sort of yeah, day one was a wake up call, and day five was was pretty surreal. Um, especially with all the the support that came in over that day, with the amount of donations and messages, and the what the hockey club did. Yeah, so was, amazing that whole massive family behind you. And I saw because it's obviously Mental Health Awareness Week as we're speaking right now, and. Um, or the club putting all of their you are not alone stuff together is so touching and amazing um quick question on your route strava told me from my yeah. eyes that you ran one particular route about 20 times over what on earth that is so boring yeah. what <laughs> yeah it was um it was tricky obviously i didn't with the the lockdown going on uh, i i didn't want to upset anyone um by thinking that i was just you know taking liberties and doing what i wanted um so i'd go from my house to the field ran around this field um for about depended it varied in time and, and distance but 
about four and a half kilometers um and then i'd sort of whip back home get a drink and then go back again and then i do that i do that circuit uh six times in the day um and then yeah for five days so That's it was amazing going around this field was yeah I, I know it like the back of my hand now um next question can anyone run a marathon yes i so uh, agree yeah I, I genuinely believe that you can run a marathon i think dependent on, I, i'd recommend training but depending on how how much training you've done uh so long as you've got a, a good reason to to run that would be the main thing i think you can always do it but you're your reason's got to be worth running yeah. for and it's got to almost so be bigger than each step that you're taking sounds quite cliche but you will yeah i think it's it's definitely a mentality thing and i think training makes it easier but it's always going to be hard kipchoge yeah. finds it hard it's always going to be hard but how hard it is it may be improved by training a little bit um yeah. i don't know about you did you you got quite emotional when you were running i remember bursting into tears at mile 15 because the crowd went away and I just had goosebumps all over my body and I for the first time just remembered why the hell I was there and doing it and I stopped checking I was pace pace check my pace check my pace I thought oh my god I am so overwhelmed with emotion and not just for my cause people around me with and it's different for you because you're obviously on your own but seeing what everyone else was doing it for. And she thought, there is no way in hell, if my leg falls off, I will stop. Absolutely no way. It, yeah. for me, it became 70% mindset from, from that moment. And then towards the end, it was just 100% mindset. If you've got the motivation to do it, you're going to do it. But your body does not dictate the rules at this point. Yeah, exactly. I think almost from a physical point of view as well, irrespective training is so important not not underestimating that and as are you know your nutrition and whatever but the the more training you do the quicker you'll probably run it and then up to sort of mile 18 19 it does not matter who you are or what speed you're going those last few miles are incredibly tough mentally um and the speed in which you go will obviously be determined by how much training you've done and whatever but i don't care who you are those last few miles are really tough really tough so agree um question do you struggle with your mental health um i would say i have in the past i'd like to think i'm in a pretty good place now um i don't i'm pretty good at, at talking i'm i'm a an open book um i would like to think anyway i would like to try to sort of try and practice <laughs> what i preach here um but no I, I i think i have in the past i've always been quite lucky where i have been able to talk to, to people and I've, I've sort of found comfort in that quite early um but i think just like everyone else there are times where i do struggle with my, my mental health there have been times in the past where i've struggled with it a lot uh these days i'm 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 pretty good with with um with dealing with it but there are still times where it's tough of course for sure and then one last question what is the next challenge <laughs> what is the next or will challenge? it be a last minute surprise um I, the, the next challenge hasn't been hasn't been planned out yet uh these things take tend to take a life of their own uh, and often come out of left field but one thing i did say uh the other day and sort of as long as this stigma remains that i'll continue to try and do my best to get rid of it amazing um, we're all behind you that's for absolute sure so we 
it won't be the last of you because unfortunately we do have a little way to go on eradicating the stigma but you're doing so much more than your fair share it's incredible it's so inspirational and I just feel so honored that you came and spoke and hopefully there are at least one person would be great two people would be incredible that can listen and take well firstly everyone will be inspired that's for absolute sure they might be educated on my uh top life hack for the bliss <laughs> um but definitely just your mindset is incredible and you might not be the same when it comes to essays but when it really matters about the old uh, <laughs> the bigger picture you're absolutely all over it and then one last thing for me and i i haven't given you time to prepare an answer but we can edit out any silences um what is something you've sort of read or heard or chatted about recently um, that's really sort of made you think twice? What's something that's really clicked with you? Interesting. Yeah. In terms of in terms of fighting sort of mental health or to do with mental health or literally anything. There's one Nelson Mandela. It sounds quite strange. He's Let's a bit. Of a, he's a bit of a, a geezer for me. Um, he's. Yeah, I, I actually, it sounds, this sounds properly weird. I have a poster of Nelson Mandela sort of dancing, sort of smiling, dancing uh, in my room. And it's the first thing that I see when I wake up each morning. And the thing that gets me sort of every time, I think that bloke went through hell and back for... I mean, I can't even remember how many years. A long, uh, bloody time. A long, long time, decades or whatever. Um, and he's there, dancing, smiling, doesn't hold any uh, grudge or uh, any sort of bad feelings towards anyone who, who sort of uh, did wrong by him. And I think if he's able to do that and he's able to, to have a smile and a little dance, then I'm able to get out and try and do my bit love that it's wonderful and then if you could give one piece of advice to young joey let's say he's 12 and he has all of this ahead of him what we what are we going to tell him um my word young joey young joey was a, a different being young, <laughs> young joey was angry um oh, what would i tell him i'd like to i'd like to say i wouldn't change anything that i've done uh, I think that's quite important. Like, it does not matter if I've messed up. I will mess up again in my life. But I, I'd like to think that I've kind of learned from, from each thing that I've done. Um, and I'd also like to think that I'm relatively okay at taking opportunities and saying yes. And I think that's quite a, a good thing for me. And it kind of epitomized this whole challenge. It was very much almost say yes, and then we'll figure out how to do it. Um, but yeah, I think if you can just try and take the opportunities that you get and that often these opportunities don't often seem like opportunities at the time, going for a coffee with someone or sometimes going on a night out or, um, you know, just going along with your mate to walk into his friend's house who you haven't met, whatever, just do it because you don't know what will come, come from it. And there are a lot of people who have got a lot of good things to say. So you're going heart first. Love that. Yeah. Figure out the rest later. Yeah. oh we love it we love it so much i'm honestly i've been just like smiling from ear to ear just listening to you talk about all of this and you just do it with the most incredible level of normality and ease and i'm just full of admiration and so excited to see what's next maybe maybe i'll do a crazy challenge as well 
Yeah, come on, Pip. What would you do? All right. Good question. <laughs> I don't know. I'm. I'll have to think about it. But I don't. I'm like you. I don't like to do a half job. I'd want to do it. I want to be a a full jobber. Yeah. Um, so I have to let myself think about that for a little bit but i suppose taking the plunge with this podcast a tiny bit and then exactly taking the plunge with something else another time um but thank you so amazingly much i hope you have the most wonderful rest of your day and more to the point don't stop what you're doing because we absolutely love to see it thank you so much the boss thank you very much for having me oh my god my pleasure my first guest This is just a super quick message from me to say thank you so much if you've listened this far. The audio and the technology isn't perfect, but thank you for bearing with and I hope you will think about clicking subscribe and supporting me. I just want to say a final enormous thank you to Joey for coming on and talking with such compassion and respect and hopefully the Overshare will be back very, very soon.